One Liberal MP has broken ranks with his party and is demanding a leadership review of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Unlike what federal government officials claim, a new study found that Canadian farmers have some of the lowest emission rates in the world. Provinces and universities are scrambling to meet the 35% international student cut announced by Immigration Minister Mark Miller on Monday. Hello Canada, it's Thursday, January 25th, and this is the True North Daily Brief. I'm Cosman Georgia. And I'm Lindsay Shepard. We've got you covered with all the news you need to know. Let's discuss the top stories of the day and the True North exclusives you won't hear anywhere else. Liberal MP has said he thinks it's time for the party to consider conducting a leadership review of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, citing what appears to be a hatred out there right now for the Liberal leader. During an interview with Radio Canada, Newfoundland MP Ken McDonald wouldn't go as far as to say Trudeau should step down, but did express his desire for an organized review of Trudeau's leadership within the party. A review would allow party members to freely express themselves and for other MPs to come forward as potential candidates for the position. As a party, let's clear the air, and if people are still intent on having the leader we now have, fine but at least give people the opportunity to have their say in what they think the direction the party is going, said McDonald. He credits Trudeau for the Liberals' sweeping election win in 2015, the same year McDonald was first elected, but said that Canadians' views of Trudeau have since shifted. McDonald hasn't been afraid to go against the party grain in the past. He was the subject of controversy last fall when he voted in favour of abolishing the carbon tax, alongside the Conservatives, despite calls from the Prime Minister's office telling him to get in line. Various ministers reached out to me, the whip had a meeting with me about this, he said. The pressure was intense, but I was determined to do it because I knew the people in my riding wanted me to go that way. McDonald believes that rural voters shouldn't be hit with the carbon tax because they don't have any alternate forms of transportation besides using their vehicles. It seems like every few months there's a story like this where, whether it's anonymous or, or somebody coming out publicly, there's growing discontent within the Liberal Party itself. I suspect a lot of MPs, especially ones that have been with the party for a long time, are not happy with the direction things are going. The fact is that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau isn't only damaging his own reputation, it reflects back on the rest of his colleagues, and it is quite brave for uh, MP McDonald to go out there and challenge his leader so directly. I'm sure he's risking certain things. In terms of political predictions, Cosman, I don't think it would be shocking to see Ken McDonald cross the floor to the Conservatives. Um... But, you know, in terms of a leadership review with the Liberal Party, I think at this point in time, the natural successor to Trudeau is Christian Freeland. And I don't think the party would look that much different under her leadership. I mean, she's the deputy prime minister. And the reason you have a deputy is because usually they're the next in line. But in terms of 
that last point you said about McDonald, Cosman, how he believes that rural voters shouldn't be hit with the carbon tax because they don't have any alternative forms of transportation aside from their vehicle. That is an excellent point, because how can you charge people more for gas, you know, put put extra taxes on, on fuel, when the infrastructure for anything else isn't there? Um, I've heard from people who live in Newfoundland, not in uh, the capital, the provincial capital, but in other cities in Newfoundland and towns, that it's scary to use your bicycle there because there is no cycling infrastructure. I don't know what the public transit situation looks like, but I don't think it's very robust. So how can you put extra taxes on fuel there when you don't have any other options? Newfoundlanders don't have any other options to get around. On Thursday morning, McDonald appeared to have changed his tone, saying Trudeau should not be subject to a leadership review, and that the Prime Minister is, quote, a great campaigner. In a groundbreaking study conducted by the Global Institute for Food Security at the University of Saskatchewan, Canadian farmers, particularly in Saskatchewan, have emerged as global leaders in low-carbon agriculture. This revelation challenges claims made by the Trudeau government, which has accused grain growers of being among the world's worst emission offenders. The study, first commissioned in 2022, analyzed the carbon footprint of key Canadian field crops, including canola, wheat, and lentils, and these crops were compared to their counterparts in major exporting regions such as Australia, France, Germany, Italy, and the United States. The carbon footprint assessment encompassed emissions from crop cultivation as well as supply chain activities like transportation and processing, and the results paint a compelling picture of Canada's eco-friendly farming practices. Canadian canola, for instance, boasts a carbon footprint that is 60% lower than the global weighted average, and Saskatchewan, taking the lead, achieves an even more impressive 67% reduction. This means that every ton of Canadian canola saves over 1.3 tons of greenhouse gas emissions compared to the global average. In 2020, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau introduced a target to reduce greenhouse gas emissions in the agriculture sector by 30% below 2020 levels by the year 2030. Cosman, you've written about this before with your series, The Fertilizer Files, last year. Is this surprising to you? No, it's not surprising at all. This is what farmers have been telling the Trudeau government since the very beginning. Even before the target of uh, emission reductions was introduced, it was obvious to everyone but the Liberal government that Canadian farmers produce some of the most climate-friendly crops in the entire world. The Trudeau government has refused to acknowledge this, and they're just barreling ahead with their 30% emission reduction target anyways, regardless of how it might impact the yield of farmers. Now, it is a voluntary target to date, but that could change, and the government has considered introducing what they called a regulatory backstop, and I'd like to remind people that this is how they described the carbon tax before they introduced it. They described it specifically as a regulatory backstop, and so internal documents that we reported on last year show the government internally talking about forcing some way to reach this 30% reduction target, even though we already produce low emissions in farming. And in, in many cases, it's actually the opposite due to carbon capture and, and some of the processes that these farmers use. They're, they're actually retaining more carbon from the atmosphere than actually emitting it. 
at Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The Trudeau government's recent announcement that it will pursue a 35% reduction in international student permits issued in the next two years has left provinces and universities across the country unclear as to the details of the plan and its consequences. Immigration Minister Mark Miller announced Monday that starting in 2024, the federal government will be capping international student visas for two years. Miller said it is in an attempt to combat bad actors in the system and exploitation of international students and to provide relief to social service providers. Some provinces, like Ontario, will see a sharper drop in the number of international students accepted as the provision will be based on the population of each province. Of the respondents to True North's request for comment, the general consensus from provincial governments and universities has been a sense of uncertainty about what is coming next and how the federal government policy will affect their institutions. The most critical of the federal government's immigration policy change was New Brunswick's Minister of Post-Secondary Education, Arlene Dunn, who expressed skepticism for the benefits of international student reductions. Ontario's Minister for Colleges and Universities, Jill Dunlop, told True North that the province has been working with the federal government to crack down on problems within the international student visa system, although she did not provide a clear stance on the federal government's announcement. We've been engaging with the federal government on ways to crack down on these practices like predatory recruitment, said Dunlop. The complaints to this reduction seem to vary among the provinces. On one hand, provinces like New Brunswick are saying that they don't want to see a reduction. They want more immigration and more of the so-called benefits that come with a high number of international students. Whereas it does seem like Ontario is pleased with this reduction. Uh, I think a lot of the problems come from Ontario as they have such a large number of post-secondary institutions. But Lindsay, do you think that a 35% reduction over two years will even address some of the issues and problems that the a high number of international students has caused. 35% is a good start. I do believe that there should be cultural exchange within post-secondary institutions. You know, that goes for Canadians studying in other countries and students from other countries studying here. I think the problem is you were seeing a particular influx of students from India, and that's where kind of the predatory colleges and programs come in. So it doesn't really become about multicultural exchange anymore. It's just kind of like a lot of people from one particular area. And I mean, even when I was doing my undergraduate degree, um, which was, you know, around 2012 to 2016, there were some courses where, you know, there would be international students in the course and even in the upper level, like third year, fourth year courses. And, 
we'd have these discussion boards online where you read other people's posts and you're graded on, you know, responding to each other and getting participation marks. And I would read what some of the international students wrote and it was incomprehensible. I mean, it was not, um, it was not readable English and it kind of um, made my faith in the education system falter a bit because I was like, how can you grade me on the same level as someone who actually can't spell or write in English um, when this is, you know, a communication degree program? And so it made me question, you know, how did this person advance to the same level that I'm at? But we know the answer, right? It's all about the money. We all know international students pay higher tuition rates and I guess this is why I'm happy to see the reduction because these universities, they import international students in order to, you know, pay for their bloat. And so I would love to see a trimming of the fat, so to speak, and um, let it start now. That's it for today, folks. Make sure to check in at www.tnc.news throughout the day for all the news you need to know. Also, please keep an eye out for The Andrew Lawton Show and Ratioed with Harrison Faulkner later today. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to share our work with your friends and neighbors. And if able, please consider supporting independent media at donate.tnc.news.